0: No matter rain, sleet, snow, or sunshine, you can always catch the hottest show on the streets. The best form of Crimson Tide football news, notes, and information right here. That being in my own words, on a Wednesday, a hump day. Yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Got a jam-packed slate of topics to get to on today. As always, we want you being a part of the conversation as we're coming to you from Tuscaloosa, streaming this to you via YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, go ahead right now, and hit that subscribe button. Uh, smash that thing right now. Turn on your notifications so that you can have the updates, news, nerds, alerts, and analysis on your Crimson Tide. But as always, joined here in the studio by my right-hand man, Mr. John Ivory. John, it's Wednesday, man. Man, I don't know how you're feeling today?
1: Man what's happening We got 38 people in the chat already We lit If y'all invite someone we'll have double So go ahead and share the show And uh, we're about to have a fire show, man. Light the chat up, too.
0: Light the chat up. Light the call in up. We want you being a part of the conversation. And you can do this by calling 205-448-1358. That number again, 205-448-1358. And one more time for the little old lady in the back, 205-448-1358. The number to call in. To let your voice be heard. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas on Crimson Tide football. going to be awesome getting a chance to, to, to sit down with former you know, Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell as we do every single Wednesday. But kind of a small update before we go into our major updates today. After losing one college football SEC pioneer and one Pat Dye, former Auburn head coach, to kidney failure, another pioneer has left us, and that's Johnny Majors, former Tennessee player and head coach, died today at 85 uh, years old. His wife talked about how you know he died doing something he loved, he enjoyed. Overlooking the Tennessee River, uh, Coach Majors, who was the head coach of the Vols from 1977 to 92, helped the at Tennessee, or, helped, or he coached Tennessee to 12 winning seasons in 16 years. A guy that was a three-time SEC champion, won a national championship in 1976. At the University of Pittsburgh, a guy that was the SEC Coach of the Year in 1985 and in 1987 made the College Football Hall of Fame. So our prayers of condolences to the Majors family and the loss of Johnny Majors. But now the, the huge updates here former Alabama wide receiver and the number 12 overall pick in the NFL draft that being one Henry Ruggs the third to the Las Vegas Raiders he had a scary situation that happened to him last week or the earlier part of, of this week where he was helping a friend move and the friend was moving you know their trailer and the trailer was on a truck and the of course, the trailer starts to slip. It starts to tip over. Henry Ruggs is trying to keep the trailer from falling, so his body is in between the truck and the trailer. And the heaviest part, the most precious part of that trailer, hits Henry Ruggs in the leg or on the leg. It comes just inches from hitting his femoral artery. If it would have, if it would have to have hit that. It would have been it could have been very fatal for Ruggs, could have bled to death, but thankfully, you know, nothing serious, too serious happened. He sustained a punctured thigh, but he is okay. He is at home. He is resting. He is recovering. So a scary situation for one Henry Ruggs, but he is okay. Thankfully. From there, Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross is set to have surgery on his spine. And I remember on Monday's show, you guys, the Alabama football faithful, alerted me on, of this on the show. So, you know, our prayers do go out to, to to Ross, the young man who you know came from Central High School here in Phoenix City, Alabama, but chose to go to the Clemson Tigers. A very talented athlete, had a great freshman year. Pretty strong sophomore year. Was looking forward to a massive junior year. But that will be put on hold as he will have the surgery on his spine. And hopefully, prayerfully, he gets through the surgery. He gets through it clean. He recovers strong. And he can get back to doing what he loves, which is playing college football. And last but not least, least, in terms of updates, Week 1 of a college football season between Alabama and USC. It is is on according to a report from the daily trojan and also trojans uh you southern california president miss carol miss carol fault uh miss fault released a statement on yesterday that, you know, USC will have its in-person classes starting on August 17th. They're still taking the precautions. They're still taking the, you know, online precautions, seeing how California is still kind of dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. But right now, the program, the school is on pace to have have in-person classes on August 17th. So with that being said, we are more so in the rate of having that first matchup between the Crimson Tide and USC there. So just some updates here around the college football landscape. But we dive into now the first topic of conversation, folks. It's one that I saw it coming, but it still makes me sort of sad nonetheless. And that is... Alabama losing the likes of Terrell Shavers, wide receiver, and Markel Benton at linebacker, both to the NCAA transfer portal. Crimson Tide now having eight players that have hit the portal since the start of the offseason, the conclusion of the Citrus Bowl. And uh, for Quite a few Todd fans out there, the the question or the thought is: you know, what's going on? Is this a problem? Should we be worried? Should we be panicking? Is this something new? Is this something different? Why is this happening? And uh, the reason as to why it's going on right now is Alabama is trying to work its way into having that 85-man roster. According to the NCAA, you know each collegiate program is allowed to have 85 men, 85 players on the scholarship roster. Now, each each university, each program can have walk-ons, but as far as the scholarship guys, you know you got to have 85. And uh, of course, when This past season concluded and you had the incoming freshmen arrive on campus. The Crimson Tide had about 93 to 94 guys on the roster. So it had to make those cuts where it could. And I'll dive into that more so in just a minute here. But Crimson Tide is just trying to work its way down to having that. 85-man roster. But starting this thing off here with Terrell Shavers, this is somebody that it kind of hurts to see him go because this was the guy that all my money and my poker chips were stacked to to be the next big-time breakout receiver for the Crimson Tide. Now, I'm not a gambling person by by any means necessary, but my poker chips, my money, my cards were definitely stacked to Tyrell Shavers just seeing how the young man, six foot six, the former four-star out of Louisville, Texas, who came in the 2017 class with Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, and Henry Ruggs third. Uh, you can't coach size, and he's got the size. He ran a verified 40-time of 4.38 in the 40-yard you know, dash at one of the uh, high school competitions prior to coming to the University of Alabama. And a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for him a lot have high expectations for him you know unfortunately he looks and he sees that there are a lot of dogs on this roster when you discuss John Mechie when you discuss Slade Bolden also Xavier Williams as well and three other freshmen that have come into this 2020 class and you know for Shavers In the back of his mind, I'm pretty sure he's thinking, you know, hey, I may have an opportunity to play. I may have an opportunity to to bong out and be that guy that can break out. But when you have so many high-quality players at one position and you have one football, there is going to be somebody that's going to be left with the short end of the stick. And, you know, unfortunately, that guy is, you know, Terrell Shavers. He did earn his degree, so he he does have two years of eligibility left I remember he had dropped a tweet on social media going back to Sunday and talking about how you know not not on Sunday but on yesterday and talking about how he loves his brothers loves his teammates loves everything that the University of Alabama has provided him with but he's going to take his final two years and go elsewhere so that would be you know Terrell Shavers when you look at Markel Benton it's a different situation, Benton, who 6'2, 235 pounds, the four star, also in the 2017 class. He hailing from Phoenix City, Alabama, and a guy that you know people had a lot of high hopes for. He started in the dime package this past year but after the season ended i remember coach saban talking about how benton was suspended you know from the team so with him being suspended then not having spring practice all of this uncertainty going on with him has pushed him to go to the portal as well benton 33 career tackles in 23 games and um, Alabama already having just a plethora of depth at the inside linebacker position. When you talk Dylan Moses, Joshua McMillan, Christian Harris, Shane Lee, uh, Jalen Moody, Alakaho, and then the two freshmen. Des Kennedy, and Jackson Bratton. So, once again, as much as it hurts to see you know guys like this enter the portal, you can see why it happens just due to Alabama recruits so well, in particular, at four different positions. If I've said this once, I've said this multiple times, Nick Saban recruits four positions better than anybody else in college football, and that's running back, wide receiver, Defensive back and linebacker. Now he's starting to hit more so on the quarterbacks. He's done really well with offensive linemen and defensive linemen. I do want to give him his credit on that, but the four positions that, of course, you, the Alabama faithful out there, people in national media, commentators, they always talk about the four positions to where we know Saban is going to hit on a stud, and that's running back, wide receiver, defensive back, and linebacker. So We have a lot of guys at the linebacker position of high quality, a lot of guys at the wide receiver position of high quality. Somebody is going to end up exiting stage left. And going back to the reason why this is all sort of happening is the coronavirus took away spring practice from Alabama football. And spring practice is important. For two reasons. Reason A, it gives Nick Saban the opportunity to evaluate his coaching staff and evaluate the players. That's why he kind of looks at spring ball as the midterm. It's also important because it gives the players an opportunity to see where am I? Where do I stand in terms of the roster, the pecking order? Where am I in the viewpoint of the coaches? Do the coaches look at me as a primary starter? Do they look at me as a marquee? first man, second man off the bench in the rotation? Or am I somewhere buried so deep within the depth chart that I'm past oblivion? And where, as the players are trying to figure out where they are in relation to those things, they get the opportunity to, to see You know, do I remain at Alabama? Do I stay with the Crimson Tide and stick this thing out? Or do I gather my family members together? Do we have a conversation with Coach Saban and the rest of the staff? And I make my play of, you know, Coach, I love being here. I appreciate you guys and all that you've done for me. But I got to exit stage left and figure out what's right for me. So when you don't have spring ball, not only – does Coach Saban not have the chance to evaluate the coaches and the players? But now the players, in a sense of uncertainty, they don't know where they stand in the pecking order, so they take matters into their own hands. That's why we that's why we saw the likes of guys like Scott Lashley and Jerome Ford and Tonga Tangabangoa now Tyrell Shavers, Markel Benton, also Giles Amos, Mac Hereford, and even one Scooby Carter. They have all taken matters into their own hands this offseason and putting their names into the transfer portal and going elsewhere because they did not have the opportunity in spring ball to really see, you know, where they were in relation to the roster, in relation to the depth chart, and in relation to that that pecking order. So this is what kind of happened. So nothing to really panic about, jump overboard about, or get beside ourselves about. It's you know, Alabama ended the offseason with 93 to 94 guys on the roster. It had to make some cuts to get down to the 85-man roster that the NCAA, the league, um, the league is in favor of, or, or the league has an order. So it, it made some cuts and had you know eight guys into the portal. seven seven of those eight guys scholarship guys so now it's down to about 86 to 85 it's either at the 85 people it needs to be at or it's possibly at 86 guys to where there's still one more guy that needs to you know mosey on over to that portal but in terms of terrell shavers he's gone but Welcome to the world for the likes of John Mechie, Slade Bolden, and Xavier Williams, who wanted, who wanted bad enough, who gonna work for it? We gonna see. In terms of the freshmen, Javon Baker, Thayu Jones, Bell, Tracey Holden. Welcome to the world, young bloods. Who's gonna step up and do the thing, as well as the linebackers as well with uh, Benton in the portal here but we go to our first break here on the show don't touch that dial just getting cranked up on a Wednesday a hump day upon our return we unpack your phone calls your thoughts your tweets your text messages your questions your concerns right after this
1: Alabama.com today and roll tide.
0: Back in from the break here, folks, on the hottest show in the streets, that being In My Own Words with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama magazine appreciate everybody joining us today got the man john ivory in the building and folks this is your time 205-448-1358 and i'm going to call in to voice your opinion on crimson tide football or whatever else may be on your mind 205-448-1358 that number one more time 205-448-1358. 205 448 1358. Also, you can text with that number, leave a voicemail with that number. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and turn on those notifications so that you can have all your updates on Alabama football. But, John, it seems like we got a couple of voicemails in the queue. Some interesting voicemails that we're going to play right now.
2: Yeah, we got a few voicemails here. Stephen M. Smith, Hawaii. This is Stephen J. Gibson from Prattville, Alabama. One question. Who do you think would be the best top pass rusher for our team, the Crimson Tide? Who would be the number one, the best top pass rusher for Alabama? Thank you.
0: Good first one out the gate here. Top pass rusher for the Crimson Tide, in my opinion. I know, me personally, I like Christian Barmore. I think he will be the top pass rusher, the number one pass rusher. But I look at this Alabama defense as having multiple guys that's going to create pressure from different angles. So while Christian Barmore, to me, is number one, keep your eyes on Will Anderson, the freshman. He'll get work in there. Keep your eyes on Joshua McMillan who can get some work in there. Keep your eyes on Brian Ray. That'll get work. Christian Harris, that can create, you know, some issues, some situations there. So while Barmore would be my top guy, Alabama's going to have multiple guys to make sure that opposing quarterbacks are uncomfortable. But uh, appreciate that voicemail.
2: Caller from making Georgia home Korean Kareem Coco Jackson. I uh, love the show. Just wanted to call in and say I think this is the year that Najee Harris should have his Derrick Henry 2.0 season. I think if the if the Tile wants to win that Natty, I think they got to ride it on his back. I love Brian Robinson. I love Trey Sanders. I love the rest of those young guys coming up. Um, but I think this year is going to be his year to be the workhorse. Maybe we can use some of those backs in some other situations. Um, but I think he needs to get the ball at least 15 to uh, 18, maybe even 20 times a game and ride him, and he's already shown us last year, especially with that South Carolina and that LSU game, uh, that he can, can Oh, man, Phillip ran out of time there. But,
0: man, Phillip was Phillip was talking Phillip was talking strong there at American Georgia about when Najee Harris. And I, I, I agree. I think Alabama's going to have to increase the workload of Najee. Najee wants his workload increased. That's one of the reasons why. You know, Alabama sold him on coming back for his senior year. Could have been pro. Could have chosen to enter his name into the 2020 or this past venue of the NFL draft, but chose to come back for his senior year. We saw it happen with him last season. You know, over 1,200 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns, caught 27 passes, including seven for scores. So we know who we know how dynamic he is. We know how productive he is. So I 100% agree. The toughest part about that, though, is even though we want to see the workload of Najee increase, Trey Sanders is going to want to touch the football. And it's going to be hard to keep that football away from Trey Sanders. Brian Robinson is going to want to touch the football. He's got to get faster, absolutely. But he's going to want to touch the football. King and Robinson also. And then your three freshmen with uh, Jace McClellan, Roydale Williams, and Kyle Edwards. It's one football. Everybody wants to touch it. Najee wants to see his production, his you know, responsibility increase, and I believe it will, but how much by what percentage will Coach Saber allow that to increase will remain the question. For everybody else out there, can we can we put an APB out on Wayland? Gotta got figure out where is Wayland today. You know, missing my buddy Wayland got to have those poems from my man. So if anybody knows where Wagon is, get him to the phone as quickly as you possibly can here. Definitely want to hear from him today. But diving into the first kind of interesting call segment of the day, these wide receivers folks are putting in work. The Alabama Crimson Tide receivers, of course, the first day of in-person voluntary workouts begins on January the 8th, you know, that being next week. But these guys are already getting work in. According to, uh, according to uh, you know, the, the, the a Twitter site there, Roe Ro Simon, there's his name, Roe Simon Jr. So Ro Simon Jr., who is a personal athletic trainer in the Houston, Texas area, works with a lot of guys. He's been uh, training with or practicing with a few well the Alabama receiving corps at the Band Field here on the campus of the University of Alabama. As you're watching these videos, he's working with Jalen Waddle, uh, Slade Bold, and Xavier Williams, Devonte Smith, also Javon Baker, the the freshman in here now. So these guys are running clean clean routes getting open catching passes as as you're watching also bryce young was involved in one of these clips as he throws a back shoulder pass to Jalen waddle which does a ballerina 360 spin move does the toe tap in the end zone looking very reminiscent of antonio brown of San Antonio holmes and all of the receivers in the league that can do that move now me personally i think Jalen waddle can be any of those guys in the foot race but that's besides <laughs> that's besides the point bryce young starting to you know get that chemistry going with these young guys with these receivers showing you know the fan base hey i may be an incoming freshman but i can work the chemistry out here as well and this is a good thing you know having bryce having young here you know, throwing passes to Jalen Waddle, throwing passes to Slade Bolden, throwing passes to John Mechie, throwing passes to Devontae Smith, it's huge for building up his confidence out the gate. But it's also big because he is going to be pushing Mac Jones to get the best out of Mac. Mac Jones can probably go Goku Super Saiyan off Dragon Ball Z this year <laughs> just as due to having a... Bryce Young push him is going to bring out even more out of Mac Jones. It's going to make Jones be more accurate, be more fiery, be more precise. You know, have more of those opportunities where he's putting the ball in the hands of these playmakers and they're getting up and down the field. So having a Talent, a big-time talent like A. Bryce Young, is going to do all the world for Mac Jones and even sharpening him up more. It's the whole iron sharpened iron kind of ordeal. So excited to see you know the players back on campus, the players back, you know, getting in action, working routes, using the hands, putting together you know combinations. This is just very, very good to see working defensive backs. I mean, Marcus Banks and. Um, my man uh, uh, Malachi Moore got kind of deered in there <laughs> by a couple of those receivers. Those DBs really, th- these DBs really getting worked by these receivers. But 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 it's all in good. It's all in making sure everybody's better on the field. Everybody's good on the field. Everybody's fine too on the field. And it's going back to you know a conversation I had at the barbershop over the weekend where you know two two of the three guys were talking about Stephen. We want to see. All aspects of Alabama excel, from the offense to the defense to the special teams. Nobody is getting the short end of the stick. Everybody's excelling. Everybody's playing well. Everybody's communicating. Everybody's on the up and up. So, you know, the DBs that you saw here in these videos getting burnt like toast, you know, it, it, it's, it's it's training ground. It's training ground. It's It's, you know, the growing pains. But, you know, those guys will take those lessons. They will learn from those lessons those defensive backs will be better for those lessons in the upcoming season and definitely you know starting off in fall camp but we take another break here on the show don't touch that dial just getting the engine revved up here upon our return we sit down with former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell to talk Crimson Tide football after this Rocking and rolling, folks, on a Wednesday hump day on the best form of Crimson Tide football news, notes, and information you will find anywhere. And that being in my own words, with yours truly, your man Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama magazine. We hop to that in my own words hotline where we pick up my brother every single Wednesday, Matt Cadell, former Crimson Tide receiver who played from 2003 to 07. Matt, how you feeling on a Wednesday? Hope you're doing outstanding, brother.
2: I'm doing great. Um glad to be here. Let's get the show started.
0: Well, all right then, Matt. Let's get started then. Uh, as As we all know... We're seeing a lot of things going on in our world, our society, our state of the country, the U.S. right now, especially with the uh, the murders that have happened with George Floyd and uh, Ahmaud Aubrey and also Breonna Taylor from racial injustice and police brutality. And we've seen the protesters all across the, uh, the landscape, the University of Alabama, head coach Nick Saban, among others, have made statements, players have spoken out, just a lot of raw emotions right now as we're in a very touching very serious serious time so I know I stated my piece on this very subject here Matt but coming from you you know a former player and somebody that's well versed in you know kind of what's going on uh, what is your thought of the state of our society right now and what needs to happen in terms of finding common ground
2: um, yes, I mean, if you look at the unfortunate deaths of George Floyd and Brianna Taylor and Almaya uh, Aubrey, um we still have a a lot of work to do as a society um, for equality and justice for all, and that uh, in order for us to get there, um, we must come together as a people to respect, have empathy for each other, regardless of our differences, you know, and truly love our fellow man um, and to have. Which I think in return would make us have a better society and future, uh, for all in this world.
0: Absolutely. And Matt, as we got the news on two guys transferring from the University of Alabama, one being Terrell Shavers, at wide receiver who made it known yesterday, and then today the news of, of Markel Benton, the linebacker, deciding to put his name in the portal, that being eight guys in the portal since the start of the offseason. What do you think Alabama is potentially losing in both of these guys, Shavers and Benton, if they're losing anything?
2: Well, um, well, right now uh, they just have their they entered the transfer portal, so I don't know if um, if, if they transfer. Um, I think we're um, probably lose uh, some experience. I know Benton had some experience. Terrell Shavers had some experience, especially on special teams. I know he you know had a uh, fumble recover from punt return um, last year. Um, Just kind of some leadership, kind of having older guys. But at the same time, you know, it it brings in an opportunity for some other guys to step up. Um, Guys, um, we have some freshmen. It opens opportunities for those freshmen to step up. Guys like uh, Javon Baker and John Demetri make room for those linebackers we have coming in. Uh, You know, Drew Saunders, Jackson I mean, same, but just recruit studs, man. (laughs) yeah. So, it's, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate, um, but at the same time, um, it's, it, it, it makes room for somebody else to have the opportunity and really make a name for themselves. And um, I think with the way Coach Saban's recruited, he's recruited high-character guys on and off the field that can really step up and have the mentality to really bring that Bama factor to really help the team win and win championships.
0: Well, folks, if you're just tuning in to the show, we got former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell, played from 2003 to 07 on the In My Own Words hotline. And Matt, we jump back into a conversation we originally started comparing Alabama to the Chicago Bulls teams of the 1990s with Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. Are you ready to get back into Bama's um. Last Dance, Matt?
2: I am so ready. I'm really excited about this We
0: get back into Bama's last dance. So on this edition right here, we're discussing the teams that were so difficult for the Chicago Bulls to play when you discuss the Detroit Pistons, the New York Knicks, and the Indiana Pacers. So in terms of college football where Alabama is concerned, Which team would remind Alabama of the Pistons? Who reminds Bama of the Knicks? And who reminds Alabama of those pesky Pacers? So, starting things off here with the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons. Matt, which opponent of Alabama reminds you of the Pistons?
2: Awesome. Um, Well, my pick, I'm not going to give it just yet, but you know, the Pistons, they were very physical. They hated the Bulls, it was a heated rivalry. No love loss. I don't know if Michael and Isaiah are still friends to this day. Um, they like still mad. They're still, <laughs> mad. They're still mad. They're uh, still mad. They still don't like each other. Um, you know, from Bill Lambeer, Joe Dumars. And I feel like Alabama's version of the Detroit Pistons, my pick is the Auburn Tigers. Um, just as far as the heated robbery, really can't stand each other. Um still to this day, Alabama and Auburn fans do not get along. It's a 24-7, 365 uh, rivalry. And so the Auburn Tigers would be my bad boys, Pistons version for the, uh, Alabama.
0: Like the Auburn move there, Matt. For me, I'm going to go Tigers, but the LSU Tigers. And the reason why okay. I'm going LSU, I mean, both programs severely hate each other. Of course, Nick Saban used to coach at LSU at one point in time back in the early 2000's it's hatred in recruiting it's hatred on, on the field it's hatred among the fan bases it, it, it's, it's hatred all the way around and you look at No LSU thing of to not just want to beat Alabama up physically. They like to try to drain Alabama mentally and emotionally. So you got the Auburn Tigers, which is a great pick, but my version of those Detroit bad boys for Alabama, I would go with those Bayou Bengals from Louisiana State University. So from there. We dive into those New York Knickerbockers, those pesky New York Knicks. So, Matt Cadell, your version of who would, who, which Alabama opponent would remind you of the New York Knicks?
2: Well, you know the New York Knicks for the Chicago Bulls, they will always meet in the division, you know, championship um, Eastern Conference Finals, and it was a very physical matchup. Uh, very heated robbery. You know, whoever wins goes to the finals. And it was a pure uh, hatred. Both talented teams. Uh, you had Hall of Famers on both sides. And for me, um, the my pick for the New York Knicks is the LSU Tigers. I feel like, you know, they always meet Alabama in the SEC West, and whoever usually wins that game goes to Atlanta. So uh, the LSU Tigers are my picks for Bama's version of the New York Knicks.
0: We actually kind of flip flop here on this one, Matt, because you go LSU for the Knicks. I'm going to go Auburn for the Knicks, and that's because the Knicks like to get under Chicago's skin. They were that proverbial itch that you want the scratch, you couldn't get to it as Reggie Miller's sister Cheryl greatly depicted in a documentary, and that's where I look at between Alabama and Auburn. Auburn, to Alabama and Alabama fans, Auburn is that proverbial itch down your spine that you want to scratch so darn badly, and you can't reach it, you can't get to it. It's a serious, serious problem. So I I would go with, I, I like your thought of LSU, I really do, but I would go with the Auburn Tigers, as Alabama's version of those pesky, uh, scratching uh, New York Knicks. So now we transition here, Matt, to those Indiana Pacers, those Pacers who were always adding things, always bringing in guys. I mean, yes, they had Reggie Miller and Mark Jackson, and among other players, but they they were always sort of adding on new pieces. So who would represent the Pacers in terms of Alabama opponents?
2: Uh. For me, I would say they were, it would be the Georgia Bulldogs, um, another program that's kind of coming up, uh, just like the paper, the Pacers, you know, the Pacers took Chicago to seven games. I think they were the only team to really take Chicago Bulls to seven games, as you know. Georgia took, uh, the games are usually really close, and they took Alabama to overtime in the championship game. Um, but luckily we had the second and 26, the two making the play to Devontae Smith. And, um, you know, I just think it's, it's, it's one of those games that it's going to be so physical, so close. And my version of the Indiana Pacers are the Georgia Bulldogs.
0: Folks, if you're just tuning in to the show here, in my own words, I got the man Matt Cadell, former Alabama wide receiver from 2003 to 07 on the hotline right now. He's picked Georgia as his version of the Indiana Pacers here in terms of Alabama opponents. For a while, Matt, I was wrestling with Texas A&M for the spot. I want to go Texas okay. A&M because Jimbo Fisher continues to grow. He continues to try to build. Is this the year for Kellen Mond? Hopefully, but we're not sure. I thought about A&M. I really thought about Ole Miss in this spot. I kind of had a thought process for Tennessee. But the more I thought about it, I was like, why not Georgia? So, I went with Georgia as well, just due to kind of the same things that you mentioned. Georgia's always adding on pieces, just like Indiana added on pieces and now Georgia's got the piece of Scott Cochran to where people feel like okay this is the move that's going to end Nick Saban this is the move that's going to topple the Crimson Tide. Kirby Smart has finally did it. He has finally gotten the secret sauce away from Saban and that being one you know Scott Cochran along with what Kirby has done on the recruiting trail you know the last few years but you know you going with Georgia, myself going with Georgia. So this this is pretty interesting here as we're all as we're breaking down here in you know, Obama's last dance. As always, folks, joined here every Wednesday by former Alabama wide receiver, Matt Cadell. Could, Matt, we're gonna do this again next week. And so next week, we're gonna unveil the version of Barry Krause. So get your notes prepared. <laughs> we're gonna dive into that next week,
2: man. You be good. All right, thank you. And always roll tight.
0: Always fun. They're talking Crimson Tide football with the former legend, the great no Alabama wide receiver, Matt Cadell. But taking another break here on the show. Don't touch that, Dow Still talking Bama football like nobody's business. Upon our return, we unpack more of your thoughts, your questions, your phone calls, your tweets, your concerns. Bring them here after this.
1: In the University Mall in Tuscaloosa. alabama.com today and roll tide.
0: Wednesday, 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 and we're talking Crimson Tide football on the hottest show on the streets. In my own words with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Appreciate everybody for jumping on to be a part of the conversation. Listening. the conversation and tide nation at short time once again 205-448-1358 the number to call in to let your voice be heard your opinion may be made known 205-448-1358 and one more time 205 448-1358. Four four eight thirteen fifty eight. 1358 You can text with that number, leave a voicemail with that number. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on your notifications so that you can have the utmost and alerts, updates, and coverage on Alabama football. But historical black colleges or universities, HBCUs, man. Topic for today, will Alabama host will alabama schedule at some point in the future an hbcu team to play inside of bryant denny stadium because other schools in the sec have done this of course auburn did it in 2016 scheduling alabama state uh, as an in, uh, as an in-state, you know HBCU to play at Jordan Hare Stadium, and then it came back in 2018 and scheduled Alabama A&M. According to a tweet or a report from Jaques Doucette of um, Channel 9 News in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the Tigers for the future have have scheduled Southern University for 2022. And at Grambling State University for 2023. Grambling State, interestingly enough, has won five SWAC has won eight, excuse me, SWAC titles since 2000. So a very prominent program. The thought is, when will this happen for Alabama? When will the Crimson Tide schedule an HBCU program? Because to me, this would be very interesting, and it would work well for both sides, right? Because for the for the uh for the Alabama side, for the Alabama side, I mean you schedule an HBCU team, first and foremost, those halftime shows are gonna be lit. Those <laughs> those halftime shows are gonna be crazy. Because I the one time I remember, John, Alabama players getting crunk on the sideline, it was 2015. Because this was still the teams that had Jonathan Allen, Tim Williams, know those guys. It was 2015. And uh, the band, uh, the Million Dollar Band wasn't even on the field playing at this time. Somebody in the booth, in the press area, in, in the uh, PA booth, I believe it was my man Nigel McWilliams out of Selma. Shouts out to my boy Nigel. Nigel was in the PA booth, and I remember he dropped the song by C-Murder. And when Nigel dropped that song, people just went crazy. I mean, folks started twerking in the stands. You had, you know, players on the sideline hitting this number right here. Like they were going wild, man. On the I mean, they were going wild. Like I have, I had never witnessed anything like that. Like the moment the song dropped, they're like, "Oh heck yeah!" Like just, <laughs> just, just getting into it. So for. You know, if, if Alabama was to host an HBCU, uh, HBCU program, the halftime shows, you already know, those are going to be dynamic. But on top of that, this would also expose the Crimson Tide to a much more you know a broader audience you would bring in more fans you would bring in more appeal you would bring in a new wave of ticket sales because people are going to go well Alabama playing Bama State you no know, I'm down I want to see that you know Alabama playing Alabama and i I'm down I want to see that you know if Steelman Alabama wanting to play Miles College hey hey you know let's, let's let's go check this out so you you would bring in a different wave a different entity you know of fans and of supporters and of people that want to watch and then for the HBCU side you know playing a crimson tide playing a major power like in Alabama, you're going to get paid to you know, come in to be a part of this event. And, and the money, the funds would go to helping out your athletic facility, your weight room facility, your infrastructure and the growth of your program. Also, enrollment on top of that. And also, you know, a lot of these you know, programs, they have student athletes that are really good in terms of wanting to go to the NFL draft. They have some really good prospects. So, playing against the University of Alabama where every pro scout will be at these games, the HBCUs, they will have their players full-fledged centered on national TV with scouts, in the press box, watching them, documenting them, evaluating them, it becomes a much better chance for those young men to, to get drafted because they're getting that national exposure inside Brian Denny. But, you know, John Ivory, John, do, do you see this happening? I know I'm talking about this, but in the future, could you see a situation where Alabama would schedule HBCU, or is it no way?
1: Oh, uh, no, no. I don't,
0: <laughs> I don't. Oh man! I don't see
1: it. Personally, I don't see it. Maybe things have changed. I mean, things are changing, but I don't see it personally.
0: So, John, leaving his two cents, in, he doesn't see it personally. But I just feel like it would be interesting, right? Because you know, I mean, uh, for, for for Alabama fans, you guys never want to be left out of doing something, right? If Auburn's doing something, then you as Alabama fans would be like, well, if Auburn's doing it and it's something good. We don't want Auburn outdoing us, so we gonna do it and we're gonna do it better and we're gonna do it on the up and up. Well, if LSU is doing something and it's something interesting, fun, enticing, entertaining, we ain't trying to have LSU outdo us, so we're gonna wanna do it and we're gonna wanna do it bigger, better, better than what they're doing it. So just an intriguing thought of how with, you know, Jacques Ducec of the, you know, Channel 9 News in Baton Rouge just saying how, you know, the Tigers for the future of 2022 and 2023 scheduling HBCUs. Would Alabama take that route? Would Alabama go in that direction? But just an interesting topic to to discuss and dwell on we take another break here on the show folks but still phone lines open 205-448-1358 want to hear from you 205-448-1358 uh to let your voice be heard on the show but upon our return we will get into one freddie roach and why i am excited about him coaching this defensive front and what he can bring to help this defensive front after this All right, Crimson Tide fans, we are back in from the break on the best form of Alabama football news, notes, and information you will find anywhere, in my own words, with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on those notifications so that you can have the best in news, nerds, analysis, and updates on your Crimson Tide. But we get into the big boys on the defensive line, and more importantly, discussing one Freddie Roach, who is the defensive line coach for Alabama football. I'm excited about having Coach Roach in here, and, and I've mentioned this before. When you have a guy that thoroughly understands what the Bama factor is, born in this state, North Alabama, in the Killing area, he played for the university from 2001 to 05 as an inside linebacker and a very decorative one at that. You know, Roach was a part of his coaching staff twice, 2008 to 2010, on the strength and conditioning staff, part of that 2009 national championship team. Then he came back 2015 and 2016 as the director of player development part that 2015 national title squad. So, you no know, Roach Roach knows the ropes. He knows what's to be expected from Nick Saban. He knows what's to be expected from the fans. He knows what's to be expected from this program. And when you have a guy that has been uh, ingrained or immersed, as I should say, in the culture, in the pageantry, in the tradition that is Alabama football, you get a guy that you don't have to really say much to. They know pretty much how to and the way to get the job done. But the reason why you know I'm excited to have you know, Coach Freddie Roach in here is uh, on the defensive line, right, he did some great things in Ole Miss the last three years, 2017 to 2019. And he did a lot of these things with three two and three star guys now Ole Miss would bring in a four and five star every blue moon every now and again but more so the production was done by you know two and three stars and through that three-year period of the 84 sacks the Rebels have 58 came from the defensive line that's 69 percent now I know stats don't mean everything but they do give a solid barometer of some aspects so of the 84 sacks that you know Ole Miss had in that three-year period, 58 from the defensive line, at 69%. And you know, Roach produced guys like Marcus Haynes, uh Breland Speaks, Josiah Coatney, Benito Jones, Demarcus Gates, uh Markel Winters, and Samuel Williams just to name just to name, of you know, a couple of guys there when he was at, of course, South Alabama in 2013 and 2014, coaching defensive ends. He produced 65 stats combined between you know those two seasons. And uh, in Alabama, we're always comparing coaches and players to former coaches and players. I know we don't like comparisons. Every guy, his own is his own guy. Every man is his own individual every person has their own destiny or their own goal in mind but subconsciously that you know, we can't help it we compare players to players we compare you no know, coaches to coaches regardless of position i mean for example case in point the moment that nick saban looks at his wife miss terry and goes baby we gonna call this a career we gonna hang up the coaching hat the whistle and retire and the, the moment that happens which is I pray it happens far away from now, but the moment that happens, the individual that's going to be hired or tapped or pegged or chosen to replace Coach Saban is going to get a lot of rep- a lot of comparisons to him. People are going to be like, well, can he do what Coach Nick did? Can he can, can he elevate the program like Saban did? Can he coach like Saban did? Can he get on these guys like Saban did? Can he put guys in the draft like Saban did? Like That guy is going to be compared to Coach Saban in terms of different players. I mean, uh, to this day, you have folks that are going – well, who's going to be the next Derrick Henry? People look at, you know, Najee Harris. You no, know, Najee's the next Derrick Henry. Najee's the next Derrick Henry. For every quarterback that comes in here, they're going to be compared to Tua to Tagovailoa. Can this guy do it to a dear? Can he throw like Tua? Can he run like Tua? Can he talk like Tua? Can he lead like Tua? Can he guide like Tua? They're going to be compared to Tua. For wide receivers, It depends. If they're of a 6'4", 6'5", Megatron-like freak, they're going to be compared to Julio Jones. Can he box out like Julio? Can he catch like Julio? Can he run like Julio? Or if the receiver is of the smaller body, that that can run routes, probably a 5'10", 5'11", 6'1"-type guy that can run routes, they're going to be compared to Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley and Jerry Judy, of course. you You guys are getting what I'm saying here. Comparisons happen. So in terms of Freddie Roach right here, Coach Roach is going to get compared to Bo Davis. Bo Davis is the epitome of when people discuss Great defensive line coach at Alabama. It's Bo Davis. Now, of course, guys like Chris Rump, guys like Craig Kumagowski, guys like Brian Brian Baker, Carl Dunbar, they did a decent job. They did solid. They weren't scrubs. They weren't slouches. But when you look at who was that guy that put Alabama defensive line coach on the map, people look at, Of course, Bo Davis, who was at Alabama from 2007 to 2010, and then his second stint from 2014 to 2015. So in that six-year period, we're looking at a young man that coached 83 sacks, including two guys that had 10-plus sacks, and Wallace Gilberry, who had 10 in 2007, and then Jonathan Allen, who had 12 in 2015. 15, he was the only guy, the only coach that had those guys to get or had multiple guys or more than one guy to to average, you know, double digit sacks. Now, of course, you the fans out there would say, Well, Steven Bo Davis was able to do this because he had all the marquee guys, he had all the headline talent, he had all the four and five stars, which is true. He absolutely did. You are absolutely correct in stating that, but at the same time you can have all the talent in the world and not be able to push it out and not be able to produce and not be able to deliver on that talent. You have to have that coach that can push that talent out, that can guide that talent out, that can get the maximum effort out of that talent and We cannot say that Bo Davis did not get the maximum effort out of those guys because he absolutely did get the maximum effort out of those guys. So as much as people would like to have Davis back, when I look at Freddie Roach, he's got the opportunity to emulate or maybe even go above and beyond what Davis did just due to The players, they vibe with Coach Roach. They understand, you know, where he's coming from. He's a guy that's, like I said, old enough to know the process, the idea, what's to be expected, how to get it done the right way. But he's also young enough to relate to these young athletes. He's also young enough to kind of understand, you know, what these young men, you know, know, what they go through. And for him to have this success – that he had at Ole Miss, that he had at East Mississippi Community College, that he had in South Alabama with, you know, 2 and 3 stars and, you know, walk-ons and blue-chippers and guys that you really didn't expect to ball. You didn't really know could ball. You didn't really have an idea that they would, that they would jump off the page, jump off the surface and have that success. Now, you put this young man on a team where it is flooded with four and five stars. It is flooded with guys like LeBron Ray, flooded with Christian Barrmore, flooded with um, DJ Dale, flooded with Ishmael Sopshire and Byron Young and Justin DeBoigbee and Braylon Ingram and uh, uh, Stephon Wynn and you know, the freshman Jamarian Lantham, Jamil Burroughs, Tim Smith. This defensive line is just flooded with guys that are saying, Coach me, coach, I'm ready to get to the next level. You know, coach me, coach, I'm ready to be dominant on the field. Coach me, coach, I am prepared to to make an impact. So, you know, Coach Roach here in a situation where, to me, I feel like he's got the opportunity. He is in a spot to where he can be just as big, just as major, just as successful, if not a bit bigger than what Bo Davis was, just seeing how he relates to these guys. He's played here before. He's from this state. He's from this area. He's from this program. He knows what is going to be expected expected of him and, and even though we have so many comparisons that go around uh, the college football landscape most importantly the Alabama football landscape I think that you know Roach will do the Alabama fans proud he will do the program proud he will do the coaching staff proud definitely will do Nick Saban proud as he looks to take this defensive front And get it back to being aggressive, getting back to being headhunters, getting it back to being physical, nasty, mean, dangerous. All of the sort of adjectives I can throw out here when you talk what Crimson Tide football on defense is known for. But, folks, as always, if you want the best in Alabama football news, notes, analysis, and coverage, it's very simple. It's very easy to do. You can get this by going to the Touchdown Alabama magazine app. You can download the app from the iPhone App Store if you're rocking Team Apple. Google Play Store if you happen to have the Android phone. For the audio listening options, we got you covered on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher overcast.fm, tune in radio, Google Play, or iHeartRadio. If the good and gracious Lord sees fit, I will return on Friday, continuing the conversation that is Alabama football. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, husbands love your wives, wives appreciate, value those husbands, children continue to find those ways to legitimately not be bored. Get those three hearty meals a day, those three great laughs a day. Protect yourself, protect the loved ones around you. Until next time, folks, I'm your man, Stephen M. Smith, and this has been In My Own Words.